The fourth week in the rise of the Floodborne metagame has come to pass, and we have a list for all 24 decks in the top eights. Now, I might be asking you a few questions. What are they? Well, first one, is it time to have a crab party? Can Steel replace Ruby as the best Amethyst pairing? Is there a chance that Popsicles are actually already a flavor of the week that have just come to pass and are no longer going to be a part of the metagame? Lots to talk about on this week's meta report. Let's get into it. The week four meta report will consist of the top eight decks of week four, which were recorded across three reported events from a 28-player event, a 57-player event, and a 64-player event. One was a 1K, the other was for a case of Rise of the Floodborne, and the last being a 1.5K. You can see here the top two decks that come in as kind of probably no shock to anybody, nine Amber Steels, nine Ruby Amethyst. And then everything else is about a one or a two. What I find most interesting here is the lack of Ruby Sapphire. Across three events, multiple top eights, you can see here that while Amber Steel and Ruby Amethyst are at the forefront of the metagame in terms of success, a deck that was overhyped early, Ruby Sapphire, has nowhere to be found in any of these, these weeks of events. Four weeks into the metagame, and this is what the fourth week looks like. In week four, we saw a resurgence of Amber Steel compared to multiple weeks of honestly just Ruby Amethyst all over the place. There was actually an event this weekend, shockingly enough, didn't even have a single Ruby Amethyst in its top eight. Of course, there was also events that had four and five, but it is needless to say that even in a given area, there was some fault of the deck. Now, while it does remain to be at the top of its game and constantly hitting up in high numbers and top eights, it's understanding that there are some decks that are trying to compete against it and having success as well with the likes of Amber Steel is enough to say maybe the metagame isn't just solved yet. Let's look into the, some of the more interesting decks and winning decks from this week in the metagame. Amethyst Steel came in this weekend as the outlier coming finishing in third place with the most recorded top aids with two. Now, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's enough to stand out from the rest of the pack for us to discuss it. Not only were there two of them, this deck actually ended up being in the finals of the 64-player 1.5K event at Coliseum of Comics in Kissimmee, Florida. At first glance, you can see that this deck is really molding into the Amethyst package of the Merlin-Mim combinations and getting away from Arthur. Now, what does Steel have to offer you over Ruby? Steel has the ability to play cards like Grab Your Swords and Tinkerbell as a more wide and cheaper spread versions and really ease, more easy to sing versions as well. Amethyst Steel has been the deck of choice that I've been playing at leagues the last couple weeks. And it's nice to see that a more solidified version of it was able to be successful across multiple events and find its way into the finals of a 1.5k. This deck is really trying to kind of utilize Steel's earlier cheap removal to fend off a potential more aggressive metagame. 
having grab your swords and tinkerbells can sometimes be good enough to replace the idea of be prepared. The less targeted removal, but utilization of cards like Fire the Cannon is an attribute, an honest choice to this deck rather than going a little higher curve and playing cards like Smash or relying on Let the Storm Rage on or even Strength of a Raging Fire. While those are songs, this deck isn't really about singing songs similar to the its Amber counterparts. What this deck is really trying to do is leverage good cards in the game, drawing a honestly remarkable amount of them, and just outvaluing your opponent through the use of your steel removal, along with the potential of having cards like Yzma get rid of really truly problematic cards at the cost of giving your opponent one card. But what it really does more often than not is kind of remove your laying around one cost and two cost characters because this isn't a deck that just is simply about turning cards sideways and leaving them vulnerable. Leaving an Archimedes or a Captain Hook just sitting in play for as long as you possibly need them until you don't, and then you're able to just simply use, use them away, even in honesty, as early as turn four, is something to note since we're playing the three-cost Yzma as well on this list. I think this is a deck that's definitely interesting. It's definitely a different take. It's definitely a metagame choice. And in all honesty, in any game in which the Amber Amethyst deck runs rampant, this deck is a perfect answer to it because it kind of gives you the best of both worlds with still having removal for the majority of what the metagame is putting up for you against you, along with the ability of having the draw power and staying power from Amethyst. And in all in all honesty, you end up just winning most of your games by two luring your opponent to death with cards like Tinkerbell and Yzma, and in some occasions, even Beast. There's some leverage to be had that you should maybe want to include Cinderella in this as honestly just a three lore threat that your opponent has to answer and if they don't you just get to gain three or six or nine lore probably never nine lore for being honest the game is likely over well before then but nonetheless having a true character at the end of the game to just honestly put in play and say deal with me or lose is an honest choice that I would probably consider moving forward with a deck like this. Merlin Crab is honestly a card that was up and down this entire top eight at the Coliseum of Comics. The card made its honest true debut in this event, being a focus of either two or three copies in multiple versions of Amethyst control decks. The list here is played by a friend, Colby Jerish, who was also a top 16 finalist at Miami TCG Con earlier this year. After having discussions all week with Colby leading up to the event about the addition of Crab and the addition of Ursula, this was a true take on a way to modify the deck away and not have to feel the need to play either Arthur or Spellbook. The idea that this deck was able to be successful without leaning on the backs of either of those cards can show you the strength of the deck in itself and the pilot that is honestly playing in the games. Colby told me he played against five mirror matches leading into the top eight cut in which he had to play against Emerald, Steel, and top eight and another mirror match in top four. For me, Ruby Amethyst is, again, one of the better decks in the game, if not still arguably the best deck in the best player's hands. Unlike chapter one, where I've said in the past, this deck was 
definitely a lot more well-designed, and it's still evolving. In the Chapter 1 metagame at, in Miami, Colby actually was the first player to play Elsa Queen Regent, giving a shiftable, stable option in a metagame where four, four strength and four willpower is really hard to find on a character. This now is the first edition of Merlin Crab, presenting ways to really tip the scales in, honestly, the mirror match and in other matches all the while. Being able to use your Minnie Mouse Surfer to simply take theirs out and yours is still around is definitely a play that most players are not expecting and can really flip a game upside down. After speaking with Colby about the list and about his event, I do think that this deck is far from done, and you can easily make another 5-10 to 10 changes in it to honestly adapt even further to where the metagame is. Huge shout out to Colby for finishing in the finals of this event. Always a pleasure talking and getting his insight. Definitely helpful in honestly in any way when I'm doing reports like this to discuss key card differences such as Merlin Crab. Let's get into the next deck. Amber Ruby took second place at the 1K at the Severus Den. The player Chad brought in his Amber Ruby deck, and from my understanding in the Discord, Chad played remarkable through the entire event, and honestly, nobody seemed very shocked to where he was coming up just short in the finals. This deck looks to be an evolved form of the successful deck from the top 24 at Miami TCG Con, featuring Lanterns, Maleficens, Carefree Surfers, and Rockstar, with now the new addition of threats such as Lady Tremaine and the legendary Mufasa from Rise of the Floodborn. With the addition of having Queen and Doc as well, while a lot of the cards in this deck are quite new, it is interesting to note that what this pairing does is potentially brings out the best version of Rapunzel. Rapunzel, who is finding her way out of most Amber Steel lists because of the inefficiency of being able to utilize Healing Glow to draw cards, we now have the ability to have characters sick in play and utilize Rapunzel's ability. Mother Gothel being able to just enter play with three damage turns into a potential late game threat of pay six resources for three lore worth of characters and immediately draw three cards back while putting nine willpower in play. Of course, the utilization and threats of Zimba and the Queen along with Stitch will constantly add pressure to your opponent of ways for you to win the game. However, the addition of Lady Tremaine, I think, is one of the bigger stand standouts in this deck. Now having the ability to have Maui, Lady Tremaine, and Maleficent gives you the potential to not even have to play Be Prepared. Having enough single-target removal to hold off the field, along with the addition of the Queen when necessary as well, is plenty of ways to keep the control in your favor, along with pressuring the game along the way. This deck, from turn three on, shies away from nothing but either two or three lore characters and the final edition, of course, Maui, as your kind of trump card to any threat that may be in the way of you having your best chance of success in a given game. Amber Ruby was definitely a deck that was on the rise at the end of Chapter 1 metagame. Given a little more time, you might have seen even more success from the deck. So getting into the first month and seeing this deck already finish in a finals of a runner-up of a 1K 
is honestly a good sign for the ink combination and fans of it. This deck has a wonderful ability to constantly keep your opponents on its toes. The addition of adding Rapunzel's effect to finally being able to do what it's supposed to do and designed to do to give you the card advantage you need is a huge point. Steel has just been incapable of really being able to succeed with Rapunzel that way, whereas I believe this deck absolutely excels with it. If you want to go one step further, you can also add in a card like Dinner Bell. Definitely not three or four copies, maybe just one, maybe just two. It's nothing that you need to go crazy about, but it would be another way to compound on the Mother Gothels and honestly laying around Maui damage of things like that and utilizing the high willpower of your characters to then later on just draw more cards when necessary. All in all, this is an incredible deck played by what I've been told is a wonderful player of the game to the point where they believe that he would have top eight it with any deck he so chose. So shout out to Chad because this community definitely thinks very highly of him and that is wonderful to have within your community of your local game stores. If you're enjoying the content so far, I would really appreciate you hitting that like button for me. If this is your first time with the channel, if you like this type of information, definitely hit that subscribe because later on in the week, instead of doing just the weekly reports, I'm going to take the first month of data, put it into graphs, discuss the best decks, discuss the most played cards within those decks and things that we need to understand as we look for a way to adapt and evolve the metagame and kind of combat that. So definitely hit that subscribe if you're looking forward to a video like that. Let me know in the comments what type of decks you've enjoyed so far within the Rise of the Floodborne metagame and if, in all honesty, any of the cards seen in this video are definitely a reason for you to start new and try something different in competing at your local events. Emerald Amethyst makes a return to top eight form with the addition of Arthur and Company. Of course, I don't think you could potentially have an Amethyst deck these days without Snake, Fox, Goat, and Rabbit. Why not add a Chameleon and an Owl along with the Crab and just truly embrace the Animal Kingdom with, I guess, even Cheshire Cat. While this list is very aggressive and entertaining, it still brings in some characters and cards that we have not seen too much of recently. Jasper makes a return as a way to combat against alternative uh, aggressive strategies, being able to take away their questing while having a four willpower character, which isn't really that ideal for them to have to compete against. The addition of Bounce creates another very intriguing tempo swing. The biggest key factor I have in this particular list, and the wonder is, where's Pinocchio? Why are we not utilizing the bounce strategy to hide the three lore two cost character? My guess is we wanted to leverage cards like Bounce and like Genie uh, as our uninkable strategies, and we couldn't afford to play Pinocchio. I find it very interesting that that is honestly a route that was successful. This is not you know, an in combination that I'm going to sit here and tell you that I am the biggest fan of or that I am an overall experienced pro at, none of those things. But when a new card such as Pinocchio has been seeing, had just seen so much success the week prior, winning an event in Amber Amethyst, a version that comes out to play with the ability of adding bounce as another featured way to protect it is a very intriguing thought process of not utilizing the three lore character. So I wonder if that is a way to 
evolve this deck. It's a way to maybe test something new. But all in all, it's exciting to see Emerald kind of get on the board here because it really hasn't had much success overall within the Rise of the metagame so far. So seeing it come out, find its way to a top eight, is honestly a very successful thing for the color it, itself and the ink in general. So if you're an Emerald fan, then this is at least another starting point that you can kind of go and draw back to as you're still looking for a way to find its home in within the Rise of the Floodborne metagame. Ambersteel Songs finds its way to another first place victory, picking up a win at the case event at Dark Sphere. This deck list has seemingly dropped Zero to Hero and added Tinkerbell Great Fairy and looks like a carbon copy of the winning deck from Pax Unplugged played by Dave, in which we have the video featuring him if you'd like to check that out. Now this deck is no shockingly been successful this weekend as Flute has presented a way for Amber Steel to truly tip the scales in the Ruby Amethyst matchups. The deck is almost as straightforward as it gets, having a four-up copy of just about everything in the deck except for the two Be Our Guest and two Tinkerbells. Utilizing all 12 Cinderella options, Stitch, the Queen, the Zimba, all of the fun, along with the wonderful song package of Let the Storm Rage On, Strength of a Raging Fire, A Whole New World, Grab Your Swords, and Be Our Guest. I don't want to spend too much time on this list. In all honesty, if you want to hear about this list in depth, you can check the description of this video, my interview that I did with the winner of PAX Unplugged, discussing this deck at length. I'm not taking any way from the player's success this weekend, picking up a deck like this and going on and winning a case for himself. Huge congratulations to you. But I don't think I need to spend too much time talking about a deck that I spent a whole 45-minute interview talking about last week. Check out the video if you want to hear more about the success of this deck. Hey guys, I can't cover all 24 decks in this video. It would just be too long. So what I like to do is present them in a way that you can find them. So you can check them out on our website. This has a list of all 24 decks from the weekend. So you can kind of go through the gallery, take a gander, see what you like and what you enjoy and what you want to capitalize on. If you want to hit me up in the comments of a deck you found that you want to hear more about, you can either hit me in the comments of the YouTube video or honestly ping me on Discord. We have a very active chat in Discord about deck lists and all of these events. As I find the information, I always report it there. So definitely check that out. Thanks again for watching. If you haven't yet, hit that like button as we talk about the final couple things from this week. So there was an Emerald Steel in the top eight of the 1.5K in Kissimmee, Florida this weekend. However, we were asked to remove the deck from our findings. So with that, I want to talk about this list. I'm actually going to give you our deck list. This is the team deck list. This is the deck list that we've been working on, that we've discussed at length the last couple of weeks. So rather than kind of robbing you of the look, viewpoint of what this deck might look like, this is the version that we've been testing and we've been playing and having some success with. Do I think it's one of the best decks in the game? No. Do I think it's worth hiding from you guys? No. I think it's a deck that, in all honesty, has some legs. It's definitely different. If this is what you're into, if you want to leverage some of these cards, then I think this deck does all of those things. But I also just want to say that like, I don't think that this deck has found its way or this version of this deck has been molded to a point where I would choose to play this deck over an Amber Steel or a Ruby Amethyst. Uh, in all honesty, I think both of those decks have 
a lot more success and potential to leverage your skill than this deck does. So all in all, I think that this is where I would be with this deck moving forward. If this is something that you're interested in, definitely hit us up in the Discord. I was talking about it today in chat, discussing all of the different things and reasons why I'm playing certain cards. So definitely hit me up there if you want to hear more about this particular list. Or, of course, hit me up in the comments. So the overall elephant in the room, in all honesty, is where, where, oh, where is Popsicle? Where, oh, where is Hiram? Why was there three reported events this weekend with no Ruby Sapphire? So the first question is, was it a flavor of the week? Is the deck all draw and no power? Is the deck similar to Lemon Lime of Chapter 1? where there was so much built upon hype, but in the end, so very little success. Honestly, I think it's very hard to say. But what I can say for certain is that most of the reported lists that I've seen for this deck haven't adapted. They haven't evolved. They're just relying on what the tricks of the trade were before, honestly, even the most, like, first reported events but specifically after pax unplugged and after galaxy con and the all of the numbers coming out from those events seeing you know 10 ruby sapphire decks uh, at galaxy con and probably another five to seven at pax unplugged only having one each or zero in top eights um is definitely starting to honestly just tell you that this deck might not be there or it's definitely not as powerful as everyone was once believed it to be I think that there's a good chance that there is a version of Ruby Sapphire that will still be a contender within the metagame. Anything that has this much potential to draw that many cards just needs to find the right cards to be drawing. And right now, I think we've been leveraging some different things that just aren't really that good or that necessary into the metagame, like trying so desperately hard to play a turn 5B prepared really is just a way to, like, reset the game but after you reset the game you didn't have any way to pressure or win the game so when you start considering those things then you need to evolve and adapt and just move forward with the game rather than keep moving backwards so while i think this was a bad week for popsicles i don't think the deck is out of the water uh i don't think it's drowning i should say i think that there is a chance that i can get back up put a life vest on and make some success further on within the rise of the medic rise of the flood war metagame we'll just have to see you know who is willing to put the effort in and what time could actually do to heal the wounds of this deck that it's been definitely trying to take care of the last few weeks 24 decks to look over this week in all honesty some of them were very intriguing but some of the cards that really stuck out were merlin crab uh that's a card that really stuck out in a big big way i thought it was very interesting I thought it was a very, uh, honestly, solid adaptation of the, honestly, even the mirror match. The lack of Arthur in a top eight for the Kissimmee, Florida event at Coliseum of Comics was another thing to note. There was no Ruby Amethyst that played Arthur in that deck, in, in those events. The surprising concept that you actually don't need Arthur or Spellbook to have a good Ruby Amethyst deck you can just leverage good cards and leverage more consistent cards along the way to really pressure opponents into victory. And of course, outplaying opponents will always help and go a long way as well. 
the idea that we have several new Emerald decks to kind of at least give a chance to in the metagame, showing success at top eights is definitely a good starter point for moving forward with deck list and giving other players the ability to kind of evolve and adapt the deck list for themselves and just see what happens within a given metagame with just sheer information. I think it's a really interesting point we're at right now, this weekend, having so many Amber Steel decks be successful, seeing an event without a Ruby Amethyst in top eight. It's a lot of things going on. It's a lot of things to track. And because of that, I definitely want to say, you know, if you're interested in stats like this, if you're interested in looking up uh, the full, you know, the full scope of the information, then you're going to definitely want to check out our next video, which is going to be covering all four weeks of the reported metagame from everything that we have seen and all the events that have been posted. And I'm looking forward to truly getting into that information. Definitely don't forget to hit subscribe if you're interested in those things. If you haven't yet, smash that like button. And of course, as always, thank you so much for watching and all the support. We'll catch you guys in the next video.